Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast, Long Time No Talk. I finally got some good ideas from you through my Instagram story on what to talk about for my next podcast. So the topic that I have decided on for today is to talk about abuse and neglect in horses and how I would personally define it, as well as the gray area in terms of what is abuse and neglect, but can't necessarily be reported or have anything done about it because of the current animal welfare laws. So I'm just going to go into my opinions on the general care and maintenance of horses. May they be pleasure horses, sport horses, race horses, and so on and so forth because there's varying degrees of severity when it comes to taking shortcuts or how you choose to train and ride your horses or general care and maintenance. And while certain aspects of horsemanship may affect the horse poorly, for example, people who say you should never start a horse at two years old, there's varying degrees of severity that I think people do need to take into account before causing a big fuss about potential abuse because you have to kind of look at things more pragmatically when we live in a world where there is so much gray area in terms of proper care and maintenance of horses and what is fair to them. So I think people need to start looking at things more objectively and looking at it on a case-by-case basis because while all of us definitely have our own views on how horses should be ridden and cared for, there's definitely lines that should never be crossed, but also people do need to learn how to choose their battles online because I see a lot of people claiming abuse over things that in the grand scheme of things don't deserve the level of reaction they get when there's far worse things going on that could be addressed. So without further ado, let's just go into this and I'll talk a bit about some of the main things that I have a problem with in the horse industry and why. And then just from there, I'll go onto topics like how to make things better if you aren't providing the most you can for your horse because of the situation may it be where you live who you train with or if you don't own the horse and so on and so forth so listen on if this is something that interests you and also keep in mind that all of these are my personal opinions and while a lot of them do have a scientific basis to back them up with at the end of the day for some aspects of the horse world there just isn't enough citable research to fully prove a point in the way that someone may want to. We do need a lot more studies on the general soundness and training aspects of horsemanship. We have a pretty good idea of equine behavior in that aspect of horsemanship and general animal husbandry with how they should be kept and the best way to keep them healthy. But when it comes to riding and training them, there really isn't as many studies as I wish there were. So the first thing that I want to talk about that I have talked about a lot, both on my Instagram, on my YouTube channel, like blog posts, like Facebook page, probably my podcast, basically everywhere. It's definitely something I don't shut up about. And it's probably one of the biggest reasons why some horse people online will not like me because this type of opinion really hits home because I'm very in your face about it and I talk about it a lot. And that opinion is related to turnout and horses. So this is a huge problem in how we keep horses in this day and age. The way we keep horses still is very archaic. And as a general rule, I would say most horse people don't really have a realistic idea of what proper turnout and care for horses is in a barn setting, like how it's fair to create paddocks, how we should build stalls nowadays, and just all in all the general idea of horses as herd animals and having access to other horses. This is something that we haven't really progressed very far in. And you can have people who are great horse people who are really good riders and have had a lot of experience in the horse world, but they'll still have unrealistic views on turnout and views that aren't backed by any type of science. And they'll use unfair things to try to justify their care of horses when someone points out that from an animal husbandry perspective, it's not necessarily fair to the horse. And people will use their standing in the community to justify how they care for their horses as though that somehow changes their scientific, behavioral, and physical needs when it comes to being a horse. 
So the biggest thing I see with this is people will justify how they turn their horses out and the level of access they allow them to have to freedom and friendship based on their price. This is something that happens all the time in the horse show world. It happens less so in horse racing, even though horse racing is probably one of the main industries people like to complain about. As a general rule, people within the racing industry are way more likely to raise their young horses out in a field with other horses in a herd setting, as well as turning out their race horses in the off season with other horses, or at least in larger individual turnouts. It's a lot more commonly seen in the racing industry and it's more normalized. They generally do let all their young horses grow up in that setting for the vast majority of breeding farms I've seen, like just go to Kentucky, which is like the racing capital of the world. And you'll see how they set up their barns. It's entirely different than a lot of other areas of North America, especially ones that are closer to big cities. So I find that very, very interesting. And it's something that I really respect about the racing industry, even though I do not at all agree with how they are still building racetracks in this day and age without generally having any level of turnout paddocks. So that part means that horses, when they're in town at the racetrack, they're confined to stalls with the exception of being hand walked or ridden, which isn't fair. But this is something that we need to put pressure on the actual management companies for the racetracks for rather than the owners as much because they really don't have much control over what the management companies choose to do at the tracks and what they choose to build. So all in all, that's something that needs to have a major demand on it. But the reason why the racing industry bothers me less in the, with regards to turnout is because of the fact that they have more of an open-minded view when it comes to turnout and they generally do put their young horses out and when they have the option to put their horses out for the most part I do see them go out on the flip side in the show industry I see people saying that their horse can't go out because it's too expensive and too expensive in the show horse industry is usually like anywhere from ten thousand dollars to like the mid six figures like five hundred thousand dollars and I know that is a lot of money it obviously is not a small amount of money but when you compare that to horse racing people that have million dollar horses or stallions that are bringing them in hundreds of millions of dollars within a few breeding seasons those horses are way higher value and the general cost output if they are injured is higher but they still get to go out on turnout so I think for the show horse industry to use price as an excuse it's a little bit rich because all of the very high value yearlings you see going through the thoroughbred sales are usually having grown up oops that is like such bad grammar I'm sorry all of the high value yearlings that you see going through sales have usually grown up out in turnout. So basically what I'm saying is that value is not an excuse. If you use your horse's value to justify not allowing them access to a basic need, then you should not have one. And I'm sure this is going to offend people if this applies to you where your horse doesn't get to go out because they're expensive and you enjoy showing them. And I'm sorry if that offends you, but I do think even if you're in that position, you do need to take a hard look at yourself and ask why you are okay with risking their soundness and injury for your own enjoyment by being able to show them in your chosen discipline and use them for your passion of riding. Why are you willing to risk injury for that, but not for their own physical and mental health? It is all very selfish and it's not a viable excuse, but it's probably the one that I see the most. And it's just so not okay. It's such a weird excuse to make to try to justify depriving your herd animal of necessary socialization and freedom just based on their value. They're not a car. They're not a vehicle. If you want to hide something in a locked garage with no access to any other creatures, go buy a motorcycle and start dirt biking or something because a horse is not the right creature to do that. They have grown up in herds. They are herd animals. Socialization is very important for them. And traditionally, these animals have grown up moving kilometers a day, like 50 kilometers a day of motion. And while that is very hard to replicate in a lot of traditional settings when they're kept in like captivity it's hard to replicate that completely but as horse owners we should be trying to do as much as we can to make that 
the type of situation they have. So they should not be isolated. They should not be in 12 by 12 boxes for most of the day. That is so archaic. And this is one of the main issues in the horse industry where there is unending amounts of studies showing how much higher risk stalled horses are for colicking and other problems and how all of the stereotypical behaviors like cribbing, weaving, so on and so forth, all of those come from stress and are related to stalling. Stalled horses see these behaviors way, way, way more on a a very, very much higher basis. And these are also behaviors you'd never see in a horse that is in the wild because they're stress behaviors that predominantly stem from being stalled and not having the option to move around. To put it in perspective, now that we're all in quarantine, I want you to think about the fact that you're probably not going out as much as you used to before the whole COVID thing happened, and you're probably confined to your house a lot more, whether you live alone or with your parents or with your friends or with your boyfriend, you probably only have access to a few people on a daily basis if you're actually staying into your in your house. But most people's houses, in comparison to a horse's stall, space-wise, they're quite a bit larger than what a stall would be for a horse, and you also have a means to keep it a lot cleaner than a horse would their stall. So for example, to put it in perspective for you, your horse sitting in their stall for even 8 to 12 hours a day, which is on the lower end of things for people that do turn out their horses, that's probably the more normal view where people will say that's okay to have their horses in a stall, but some people will justify up to 18 hours a day or more in a stall and say that their horse gets five to six hours of turnout and view that as acceptable. But to put it in perspective, imagine just sitting in your bathroom for that long and not being able to talk to friends. You can't have your cell phone. You can't talk to anyone. You have maybe like a couple of snacks that will last you a few hours but then once you're finished them you might not have access to them until someone brings you more snacks at the next set feeding time or if you're really lucky maybe someone does give you full access to snacks but nothing else maybe you have a ball that you can play with but nothing else you can't contact anyone you're in there alone you can't see anyone you can't leave and you can basically only pace back and forth a couple paces each direction I would imagine that a lot of you would feel very stressed in that situation and long term if you were in that type of situation you would probably develop some unhealthy coping mechanisms that would be viewed as neuroses. So that's basically what would be comparable to a horse being in a stall but the difference is with a person at the very least you could flush your feces and pee down the toilet instead of standing in them all day. And even if you clean your horse's stall twice a day or a few more times a day, they're still standing in ammonia and inhaling like feces and like pee smell and dust. Even if you keep it clean and even if your stall is well ventilated on top of being isolated and bored. So now that you're in quarantine, I want you to consider that maybe if you have the time, you can go try to spend an hour in your bathroom without your phone without any access to games, no Nintendo Switches, no Game Boys, just you in your bathroom, not able to talk to people and see if you can even do that for an hour. Because personally, I know for a fact I couldn't, I would get bored. It's not something that I would be able to do at all. I would go nuts and I'll readily admit that. And also just to throw myself under the bus, cause I know this is gonna, bec- this is gonna come off as preachy, but I was that person who had my horse in that situation and I ignored all of his stress behaviors and I would make excuses for why he was inside. I would say he didn't like the rain. He doesn't want to be outside in the rain. Oh, he loves his stall. He wants to be in there. Oh, look, he neighs at me when I come and he's so excited to see me because I'm his only form of stimulation, but it's because he loves me that much. It's not because he's bored. I made all of these types of excuses for years because I grew up where it was so normalized that I never questioned it. And then when the internet became more mainstream as I got a little bit older, and I had more access to social media and talking to other people that's when I started to realize all of the holes in my horsemanship and started to look further into it so honestly if it weren't for the internet I would probably still be mistreating my horses in that way it's the internet that opened my eyes to that and I'm really thankful for that even though it was really hard to look back at all of the mistakes I made and realize 
how certain behaviors I saw in my horse were influenced by how I kept him and how I treated him. He became notoriously hard to catch when I did eventually turn him out, and it was super frustrating, but at the end of the day, that was all my fault because he had spent so much time confined that when he saw me coming, he was like, oh no, this bitch is going to put me back in a stall again. Screw her. I don't want to be caught, and that's kind of the way it went, and it's one of the things I look back on the most, and this is why I'm so vocal about my mistakes and so vocal about certain aspects of horse care because... It's something that I slept on for way too long, and if I can even change one person's mind or make them realize some of the shortcomings in their own horsemanship so that they can start to address them, even if they can't necessarily move barns or anything like that, that is worth it. If it only helps one person, it's totally worth it because I let my horse down for way too many years initially. So anyways, basically people need to reevaluate the fact that if their horse is stressed, you have to start asking yourself why they're stressed. It's way too easy to write it off as not being a problem or just as a mere preference. But at the end of the day, it's like a severe behavioral issue if your horse can't handle being outside without going completely batshit crazy. That's a very severe issue. Your horse is a grazing herd animal. They're not coming out of the womb being afraid of the outdoors. I can promise you that. With that said, like I've had a lot of horses I've gotten off the track, some of which who have been stalled too much because they've lived in town too much, or maybe they were unlucky enough to be bred somewhere where they never really got proper access to other horses in the outdoors. And getting them comfortable outside is a task. It's really stressful because they tend to either pace or run around a lot. And then you do worry about them getting hurt. You worry about them getting ulcers. You worry about them being stressed. And that's all normal stuff. But at the end of the day, you do need to put the work in to fix it. And with my most recent guy that had this problem, which was a thoroughbred I had named Chico, he probably paced the fence line for like four days. Initially, he was trotting and pacing and he would even get sweaty. But... He eventually started to walk after a few days and then I would just feed him his hay and I'd put a water on the fence line where he liked to walk and I left him out with horses who were calm and eventually he joined the herd and relaxed. It just took some time and for horses that have a higher stress level, what you can do is start them off in a smaller paddock than a huge field and then gradually build up the size of paddock, put them out with another really quiet horse. A lot of horses who get stressed out in individual turnout really just need a quiet, calm friend that can give them comfort and make them feel safe. And a lot of people just try to turn them out alone because they're worried about injuries. But realistically, if you set up good herd pairings, there shouldn't be a high risk of injuries other than maybe minor superficial ones like bite marks from them playing. Um, it shouldn't really be a big concern and usually they'll be calmer and happier in turnout with other horses because they, again, are herd animals. So yeah, at the end of the day, honestly, my biggest problem is how people will justify depriving their horse of necessary things because they want the horse and they would like to have a horse. I am sympathetic if you live somewhere where it is harder to set up turnout situations, like if you live in a very urban area. I understand what that's like and I understand how hard it can be to live in those types of areas while wanting to own a horse. But with that said, I think it does hit a point where if you want a horse that badly, you need to reconsider maybe where you're living or be willing to travel further to set up a fair situation for your horse. I would view it the same way as I have a blue healer. So obviously she's a very active working type dog who needs a lot of exercise. If I lived in an apartment complex and worked as often as I do and still decided to get her, even if it meant her being kenneled basically all day other than maybe an hour's worth of walking that wouldn't be fair for me to do just because I want that type of dog because I think they're pretty or I just want that type of dog because it's been my dream to have one it wouldn't be fair for me to be like well I want her so it's her job to put up with sitting in a kennel 16 hours a day so that I can enjoy having her it wouldn't be fair for me to do that as an owner it's very selfish and for dogs it's less justified like if I had done that with her and I posted on social media in dog groups about my blue healer being kenneled all day and then going out for a short walk once a day I would get roasted online but with horses for whatever reason in certain certain um, groups 
people are way more likely to justify that. And then those same people would probably be the ones who would call it abuse if it was a dog in that same situation. Even though ironically stalling is super comparable to having your dog in a kennel and horses as herd animals that need to move around constantly are very comparable to high energy working dog breeds that need stimulation for a lot of the day. But for whatever reason, it's less tolerated with dogs than it is with horses. And while people still do this to dogs where it's unfair to them, if they are publicly talking about it, it's not as accepted as it is in the horse world. So if you live in an area where there's less turnout and you want to better the situation for your horse, I would first consider if there's any possibility of traveling further to find a place that at least has better access to paddocks. And if that's not an option for the time being, then I would make sure that you're going out there to turn your horse out like in the arena and hand walking them lots of the day like you should be going out there multiple times a day if at all possible or paying people to go and hand graze them and walk them around for you to make it work but in the long run it's just really not fair to the horse to do that and it's something that people as animal owners and lovers should really work on addressing and like I totally understand if the living situation isn't ideal at the time being like even for my own horses I'm not happy with their turnout situation completely at all but I look at it and I say this is like the best case scenario for what I can offer right now I wish they had more space I wish I could rotate pastures more so they had better access to grass but at the end of the day they are out all day and they do have friends so especially for my area which has less space than other areas of Canada they do have it pretty good but I can still look at it and be like it's not good enough for what I want to eventually be able to provide for them and I am trying to make it better by creating like a track system for them so that they have more stuff to graze on and forage and so on and so forth. So for anyone who's in a situation they're not happy with, that would be kind of what you should look at. Like, how can you make it better for them? If your horse spends a lot of time in the stall, you could buy them different types of hay to forage within the stall and just place them around the stall. You could get them a hay ball, you could get them a licket, a jolly ball, all sorts of different toys to play with to try to make it better for them, along with taking them out and hand grazing them, letting them interact with other horses. Another thing to consider if your horse is stalled a lot is that it's pretty easy to build stalls in a manner where they have bars between them so the horses can still interact with each other and that significantly has been shown to reduce stress behaviors and while they still don't get the movement they need at least they can interact with other horses so for me for stalling that would be the first thing that I think really needs to change building up the stalls all the way with fully wooden walls so the horses can't see each other that's really archaic making it so that they can't touch each other is really archaic and there's not really any reason for it in my opinion people justify it a lot with stallions but even with stallions if they're properly socialized they can go out with geldings at the very least or they should at bare minimum should be able to go out in a field by themselves but i like a stall having a stallion still isn't really an excuse to isolate your horse and not turn them out but yeah so Basically, the main thing as a horse owner is being objective and being able to look at something and be like, yes, this isn't ideal. How can I make it better for the horse? Rather than getting offended if someone says, hey, like you probably shouldn't stall your horse 20 hours a day. Four hours turnout isn't enough. People will defend that and be like, oh, well, they don't like being out longer or they get stressed and they run around and they go crazy. And like all of those excuses stem from a horse that hasn't been offered proper stimulation your horse running around and going crazy and being unable to relax if they're in a space larger than a 12 by 12 stall is an indicator that they have anxieties and neurotic behaviors that stem from not having that option it would be similar to if you had a dog that had never been out of the house and brought them outside randomly there would be so much stimulation from going outside that they probably would appear not to like it because they would be stressed from the difference but it's not an excuse to just let them continue living an unfit life just because they're stressed and the way I view it with stalling is that if your horse has a problem under saddle like let's say they're afraid of the saddle when you first start to break them to ride or they're afraid of jumps when you first start to teach them how to jump most riders aren't going to just be like oh well he's afraid of the saddle so he must not like being ridden I'm no longer going to ride him because he doesn't like it no they would work to fix the stress behaviors because 
those behaviors conflict with their use of the horse. So they would want to fix them. It should be viewed the same way for your horse's well-being. Yeah, it might not be convenient for you to get them comfortable outside. It might be stressful for you while they're stressed outside. But if you love your horse, you should be willing to put the same level or more work in as you would for them as a riding horse to make them the show horse you want them to be for them to enjoy their time outside. Their well-being comes above your enjoyment of them, or it should if you actually are an animal lover. So using excuses that wouldn't fly for them as a riding horse um, when you try to justify any anxious behaviors that show up under saddle. If you would work harder to fix them under saddle, you should be working even harder to fix them so that your horse can live a normal life. And it's become far too accepted to have those excuses. Horses are herd animals, they're flight animals, which means naturally speaking, they're not more comfortable in a small space than they are in a large wide open space. Because as a flight animal, being confined means they're inherently unsafe because if there's a threat, they can't get away from it. So a horse that has learned to be happier and calmer in a stall than they are outside around friends, they've been taught how to be that way from their owner depriving them of natural behaviors. And it's made it so that being outside in that level of stimulation has become too much for them because they're used to such a low level of stimulation and such little space that when they do get put out there, they either explode with all their excess energy or they're just really anxious because they're used to being so confined and they don't know what to do with themselves. And that's a really devastating thing to see. So people really need to change their perspective on it because they really tend to apply humanistic behaviors far too much to their horse. And instead of being like, oh, they're so stressed, they'll just be like, oh, they don't like it. And that's why they're like this. They like being in their stall. They like being clean. They like being where they can have their own space away from friends. They like their blanket. They like being dry. They don't like being outside. All of these things are things that people will apply to the horse while they have no real basis because generally speaking, even the stress behaviors we see, it's not the horse showing an inherent preference so much as them showing that they can't handle the situation you put them into and then the owner ignores it and does a band-aid fix by just removing them from the situation despite the fact that turnout as a situation is something that is necessary it shouldn't be viewed as optional at all and just doing whatever you can to better their lives with the with the tools that you have available to you i'm not doing this podcast to really make anyone feel guilty for what they're doing it's just something that really frustrates me and i see it so much as a trainer and it's so hard to have someone to be like oh i need you to fix this problem my horse is ha- my horse has and if the problem is directly related to the fact that their horse has no stimulation and has no exercise outside of when the owner decides to take them out it's hard to fix because it's not a training issue it's a management issue and yet people want you to discipline their horses for having problems that are the owner's fault and as someone with a with a platform to talk about this i'm just hoping that if i talk about it enough that people will start to open their eyes a little bit more and reconsider. And as horse people, we should also be taking into account the opinions of professional behaviorists and other types of equine scientists more than we do people who are just riders at the top of the sport. Because being a good rider doesn't mean you're good to your horses. It doesn't mean you're necessarily good at developing them up to the level that you're showing at. You're just good at competing at that level. A lot of upper level riders aren't the ones who start their own horses, breed them and develop them from the ground up. Some of them are just the rider that gets put on the horse once someone else has already developed them partially and then they finish it. And even with all of that, being able to ride and develop horses also doesn't necessarily mean that you're able to read specific behaviors and understand if your horse is happy or not or if they're getting enough stimulation. All of these things are things that quite literally behaviorists are studying, which is the most effective ways to train horses on top of the most effective ways to keep horses in the modern world we have now while keeping them happy and they're researching this on a scientific level they're testing more horses than most 
upper level professionals would have available and they have access to huge university databases of studies and people to run studies through to learn even more so these are people we should be taking more seriously instead of just mocking them and writing them off as not being credible because they haven't competed to the same level as another writer you expect you respect and i see it happening way too much where people will just completely write off studies as not being credible because the name doesn't come from someone that they watch going to the olympics and respect but there's varying degrees of professionalism you can be a professional writer you can be a professional trainer but it doesn't neither one of those means you're a professional behaviorist or someone who has any real knowledge of horses from a scientific standpoint and learning theory for horses from a scientific standpoint so these are all things to keep in mind and now with the internet we have so much access to these type of things that it's very easy to learn and you have people you can talk to and learn more from and people that are willing to share their ideas and obviously like proper citations and credentials are important so make sure who you're talking to has these and if people are making claims don't blindly follow them unless there's actual basis that proves it to you like someone telling you that horses don't need turnout where is the proof where are the studies showing that stalling has no ill effects on them and that it has no contributing factor to the problems we see in horses today ask and actually think critically and then also just consider the fact if you're in this sport you should be in it for the horses you shouldn't be in it just for yourself to get to wherever your finish point is wherever you want to achieve it should be about getting there alongside the horse and with the horse ethically it shouldn't just be about doing what is convenient and easiest for you at the detriment of the horse and all of us to some extent are guilty of doing this we've all been selfish we've all made selfish decisions about horses i don't think anyone who has been around horses for any length of time can say that they've never ever made a mistake that affected the horse poorly i doubt anyone can say that even the best riders and behaviorists and professionals out there they've all probably made mistakes that they've learned from and that's the thing. Do you learn from your mistakes or not? Do you look into things further when people mention them? Do you ask questions and try to make sure you're doing the best for your horse? Or do you just get defensive and shut people down, mock them, and move on with going about your life the same way you always have? These are all the things we need to consider as horse people. And we also just need to consider the changes we can make to how we keep our horses to make it better for them. For me, since my horses don't have a bunch of access to grass and their turnout's not as big as, as I would like, it to be i'm starting to create a track system with different herbs that they can get into and eat growing more grass so they have more to nibble on i also have a separate small grass turnout in my front lawn that i can put them out on sometimes and i also always make sure they have access to friends and each other and that's something that's very important to me i also get them different types of hay so they have lots of different types of forage to try and just go around and have that and i'll even put flakes all the way around the field so that they have to walk and kind of simulate grazing to eat their hay and Obviously, like like I said, their turnout's not perfect and it's something I'm working on. I'm looking at renting larger turnouts with grass for the summer so that they can go out on grass and graze in like a herd setting with normal horses and have more space to move around. All of these things are changes that I'm looking to make to their living situation to make it better. But as it stands, I'm fairly happy with their living situation because none of my horses have vices or stress behaviors that they display out in the field and they all do play with each other and have a pretty normal and calm life out there. So I'm pretty happy with where they're at right now, even though it's not perfect. And I will continue to work to try to do what I can better. The more I learn, the more my training style has adapted and changed. I used to be very much about punishment and traditional training methods, especially when I was younger. I was a lot more rough on my horse and a lot more demanding. I didn't read his behaviors very well and I wasn't very fair to him. And I have adapted as I've gotten older. And while I look back on those mistakes and feel guilty, at the very least, I can say that I'm trying to change for the better as I learn more. And if a study were to come out that proved that something I do is completely unethical I can say for certain that I would change it if there's a credible study that comes out on bits being completely unable to be used ethically you can best bet that I will stop writing in bits but as it stands now the only article I've had people cite to me has been written by Dr. Cook so it's a highly biased article with a small sample size and again that's not something I can take seriously but with the turnout articles they're pretty conclusive and they're very credible. They come from really good sources. And yeah, so those are ones I can take seriously. But I do, I'm 
I do try to make an effort to constantly adapt with the times and learn more to do better for my horses. And I hope that everyone can say the same thing about themselves. I know it's really hard to look at yourself critically and realize your shortcomings as an animal owner, but as people who love animals, we do need to do this because it benefits our animals in the long run. So in the part two of this, I'm going to talk about training methods and how I personally define my training and what I do with my horses, along with different aspects of training and opinions in the training world for example starting two-year-olds to what extent the young horse classes and so on and so forth I'll go into detail on that and my opinions on that and I'll also talk about like differing levels of doing the same thing like there's people who start two-year-olds and ride them five days a week and then there's people who start two-year-olds lightly and then turn them out for the rest of the year and obviously those two aspects are not the same so when we're judging stuff like that even if it's something you don't like we do need to look at it critically and with turnout for me I would look at it in the way like if I go to a a barn that has traditional turnout practices but the horses all have small in and outs so that they can walk out of their stall if they get stressed I like that way better than horses who are just inside a stall for like 16 hours a day and then kicked out to a small paddock for eight hours a day so these are all things to take into consideration I wouldn't talk down to someone or try to change their turnout situation if their barn has a half decent turnout situation for traditional barns which would be an in and out paddock or at least a paddock large enough for them to run around in if it's not attached to the stall and even for people who have their horses stalled for much of the day if they're making a big effort to get out there and turn them out and walk them around and they're aware of the fact that it's not ideal I wouldn't really fault those people because they're working to make a difference the problem is the people who view no issue with it and therefore have no means to try to work to change it and that's really what the biggest shame is. So it's important to look at things critically. And when we're talking about things we don't like, like you guys know, I don't like people stalling their horses all the time. If this podcast hasn't been clear enough, it wouldn't be fair for me to go and attack someone who doesn't have field access, but has their horse in an in and out because they're doing better than a lot of people are. And their horse is better off than a lot of other horses are, even if it's not a perfect situation. So basically we should be looking at, sorry, motorcycles. We should be looking at what is the best case scenario that an owner can offer for that particular horse and best case scenario for the area the horse is in but at the end of the day it's inexcusable for boarding barns to operate with no turnout options or limited turnout options that don't allow horses to go out for enough time or have enough space so I hope this was a half decent discussion for some of you I know it's long and very rambly but I just have a lot of thoughts on this and I wanted to share them with you I have a lot of studies that I can share on turnout and stalling if anyone is interested I have tons so if you want more of like an actual credible background from research standpoint and not just words coming out of my blabbering mouth I do have links that I am happy to send you so If you liked this one, stay tuned for part two where I will talk about other aspects of riding and training practices and the ethicality of those and just my differing opinions on the levels of severity in terms of poor training practices or practices I don't necessarily agree with for my horses but can still support because the owner is doing it in a manner that is the least invasive as possible. People view abuse as too black and white, in my opinion. People will say, I don't like bits, you're abusive no matter what bit you use, and they'll even they'll even viciously attack someone who's using like a leather bit or like a rubber mullen mouth with really soft hands. And that's kind of where it gets too extreme. You have to choose your battles, and even if you personally view something as entirely unethical, for example, like I said, bits, you have to look at it and be like, hmm, I don't like bits, but this rider is using a very soft bit, and they have good hands. So even though I don't like this, I should probably let it slide and realize that while they may be using something I don't like, at least they're using it in a manner that does the least amount of damage possible, and move on. We can't be rabid about our opinions and very like extremist it's the same thing with people who love positive reinforcement training if they trash anyone who doesn't completely dedicate their life to only ever using that they're not going to make as big of a change you have to be willing to talk to people and reward them for making a difference even if it's a small one and they're not 100% of the way there yet so yeah that's kind of where I'm at I've been blabbering for a long time and I have to go inside now so um 
I hope that you guys might have learned something from this or that it might have made you think about certain things. And then I hope that the part two of this will be something that interests you because that's where I'll go into riding practices rather than traditional care practices in barns and whatnot. So thank you for listening and sorry for all of my blabbering mouth and lack of schedule and like direction for my podcast. This is all kind of stream of consciousness. And for some people, they might like that, but others don't and that's kind of the way it is so yeah that's kind of my style though is stream of consciousness for blogging and podcasting I don't script well and I like to blabber so I apologize if that's not your style but let me know if there's any confusion or changes you would like me to make for next time and I will try to address that and I hope you all have a beautiful day and kiss your ponies for me so have a great day everyone and goodbye As someone who's like now a professional in the industry and and has been to a lot of farms and ridden a lot of horses, met a lot of different people in the horse world, and just being around to a lot of different boarding barns with my personal horses, it's become exceedingly hard to be a part of the horse world the more I learn about animal husbandry and how normalized our mistreatment of these beautiful animals is. Um... it's so hard to go around to barns and see the horses not getting out and if they're horses I'm riding usually they have problematic behaviors under saddle that stem from not being able to use up their energy in a turnout situation this makes them more difficult to ride and then their owners want you to get after them for behaviors that they're exhibiting due to lack of stimulation and it's honestly soul crushing as a trainer going around and seeing this happen seeing all these behaviors from the horses being stressed seeing shut down horses and it's very hard to watch because you feel helpless you can't do anything about it you can't call the SPCA nothing will be done the horses are fed and they're otherwise healthy because they are getting their nutrients um, even though they aren't getting the mental and physical stimulation aspects of turnout and freedom there's no laws that really protect them from being stalled 24 7 even without injuries being a factor. There's nothing you can do about it. So you just kind of have to keep going. And you can't even really bring it up to people because, again, it's so normalized that they're not going to listen. They're just going to argue with you. So at the end of the day, this is what pushes me to be very selective about who I'll work for because I can't do anything about the people that aren't taking care of their animals or that have horses who are just so unhappy because it's technically not a neglect issue even though it very well is from a scientific standpoint and from an animal husbandry standpoint if you look up the basic freedoms for animal care you will see that they outline things that very specifically talk about freedom to express natural behaviors and for horses those natural behaviors would be grazing foraging herd turnout being able to move around and i would argue that probably the majority or close to it of horses don't have those freedoms and people don't care and if you talk about it you're vilified like the amount that I've talked about it online I've had a lot of people talk down to me and try to say that I know nothing because I haven't competed at x level even though that has nothing to do with basic equine behavior knowledge and care knowledge and basically they'll just condescend my experience and talk down to me and make fun of me there's never really any real argument as to why um, these basic behavioral and physical need laws and biomechanical laws don't apply to their horses who are allegedly different it usually all just becomes them trying to make you as the person who's saying something they don't like feel small rather than actually forming a real argument to justify why what they're doing is okay and that's the problem it's very hard to have a discussion when people immediately get defensive and the go-to thing with horse people online from what i've noticed if you upset them is to start crapping on you and making fun of you and bringing up things that have nothing to do with the actual discussion people really lack the ability to have a discussion when it's about things that they feel are an attack on them and it's problematic because you shouldn't be so self-obsessed about your care for your horse that you're refusing to look further into it and that you start just demeaning others instead of trying to research and develop a viable argument for why your horse isn't a factor with related to the all of the information and research we've done on turnout and stalling like if you want to have a discussion with someone to justify not turning out a horse or try to make an excuse for that like have a real argument don't just 
talk crap about people like get your sources and try to teach people why it's not an issue for your horse not to go out and if you can't find a viable means of doing that with real citations then maybe reevaluate your care for your animal but yeah it, it, it's it's a very hard part of the horse world and this is one that we've been sleeping on for a while and as it stands like it's still not getting addressed enough because a lot of people's most respected upper level riders are are guilty of doing exactly what I'm talking about in this podcast. It's more surprising to me to hear about an upper level rider that actually has their horse going out and actually has them having stimulation and access to other horses than it is to hear about ones that don't. And it's far too normalized. They get away with it and they convince other people it's okay and it's really not. So I encourage all of you to think about if you were in your horse's shoes right now with their level of turnout and social interaction, would you be happy? Or if your dog was kept in a similar means to your horse, for example, kenneled for as long as your horse is stalled, would you be okay with it? And if the answer is no, then you might want to reevaluate what you're doing. With that said, like in a perfect world, horses should be out in group turnout with access to grass if they're if they're able to have that like obviously some sugar sensitive horses can't have free choice access to grass whatsoever and that's understandable but in a perfect scenario your horse should be out in group turnout with enough space to like actually be able to run around if they so choose but at the end of the day that's not always possible so at the bare minimum I do think that horses need paddock access for longer than they spend in a stall or ideally just in and out paddocks with enough room to like actually canter a few strides down the fence line and that's like that should be the bare minimum basic is that they have access to a paddock where they can trot and canter around a little bit see other horses touch noses with them and have access to that and that should be the absolute bare minimum barns that can't offer that should not be allowed to operate there's no excuse to build a barn that has like 60 stalls and three turnouts that's just money grabbing and selfishness it's all about whoever's running it making the most they can without providing the actual necessities for the horse so it's time that laws change with regards to that and that we start to protect animals a little bit more because we'll find a lot less horses with behavioral issues if we just start to treat them properly and start to learn more about gauging their behaviors and their feelings rather than writing them off as, oh, he's just being a dick for biting me instead of being like, hmm, why does he always want to bite me when I go to catch him? And so on and so forth. And for those of you who like aren't, able to offer your horses exactly what they need consider doing fun things like just taking them out to hand graze giving them things that they can go foraging through in their stall and looking for trying to create paddock track systems if it's big enough where they can go over different footings and stuff and a lot of people have different views on this i've had people tell me it's cruel to keep my horses out full time or make fun of me for saying oh your horses clearly aren't nice enough if you leave them out full time and like to me like even if I got a high value horse it wouldn't change the fact that it would still need to be out and like my horses have been happier than they've ever been being out full-time we anthropomorphize animals way too much like your horse doesn't go ah yes my nice bedded stall I want to be in here with no escape for several hours if you left the stall door open and like picked it up and put it in a nice lush field with other horses and just left the door open even in horses that are anxious outside you would notice them start to leave the stall and they would eventually build up the courage to just become a normal creature that spends a lot of time outside and then goes back in their stall to roll sometimes has a nap in their stall or goes in it when it's raining sometimes but at the end of the day if you could pick up all of these stalled horses stalls and just open it and offer them a utopian turnout type they would all end up spending more and more time in the turnout so we just we humanize their behaviors too much because generally like humans are the ones that want stalls for their convenience and control over the horse it's not the horse that needs the stall they just need the basic freedoms which are like food friends forage shelter freedom and the ability to move so they don't really care about having a fancy stall and even like aesthetically pleasing barns i've had people make fun of my turnout for my horses because it's not swanky and fancy and that they don't have nice fancy stalls to go in horses do not give a flying fuck about how pretty your barn is excuse my french but they don't care humans are the ones that like the beautiful 
like contrast trims and fancy wood and nice stall fronts and chandeliers hanging above the barn and cobblestone walkways all of that stuff is very beautiful i won't deny but your horse does not fucking care they don't care they just want food and friends and space to move around so we make it very like the horse world in general is pretty elitist it's very expensive there's a lot of people with a lot of money and people do things for status a lot um and that's kind of one of those things that is a lot about status where people are like almost embarrassed to not have those things to flex to other equestrians even though they really have no bearing on their horse's happiness and well-being yes your horse needs safe fencing and safe turnout and safe areas to play but safe doesn't have to be fancy and it doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing that's all human wants and I see a lot of barns that get advertised and people will fall in love with them and they'll be like, oh, this is so beautiful because they'll have nice groomed arenas, fancy jumps, fancy stalls, like a sitting area for the people, like a nice tack room. But then you go scrolling through these photos and it has basically no turnout. And yet that's seldom ever noticed or pointed out when the barn looks fancy enough. People are just like, okay with cutting that part out because it's nice for them and then they kind of leave the horses in the lurch in that way and it's it's all very odd um that's like one of the mindsets that just really needs to start changing the horse world because we've gotten complacent we've become way too accepting of leaving things a certain way because it's what we're used to and it doesn't allow for growth and considering turnout is one of the more researched aspects of horse care, and we have so many studies showing how much colic rates escalate, how much other bad behaviors escalate when horses are stalled too much, and even soundness problems, like stalling reduces circulation and movement a lot, which undoubtedly would affect soundness. If you stood, if you stood around all day for like 18 hours and then had someone take you out, walk you around for 10 minutes and then ask you to work to full capacity, your tendons and ligaments would be less likely to be healthy to do that than a creature who's doing low level walking around and moving throughout the day. And that's the T. So I've, I've rambled a lot about turnout, so I think this podcast is just going to be a turnout one, and then I'll do part two, which will be like riding practices, like how we start horses, the ages we start them at, and how hard we work them at said ages. I'll do that in another part because there's also a lot I can say about that. But general barn practices and like how we feed horses in stabled environments, all of that is still so archaic. A lot of people don't realize that the reason why horses get ulcers and stuff is from stress behaviors and also how we feed them in a lot of boarding facilities it's far too normal to have set feed times of hay where the horse will get like two flakes at this time maybe another two flakes at that time sometimes even less depending on the boarding barn and another two flakes for the last meal of the day and then they get large grain feedings either at the same times or twice a day or so on and so forth and then they might spend hours without hay if they finish their hay quickly and then those hours their stomach is still developing more acid that wears the stomach lining and gives them ulcers on top of this becoming even more likely if they're also stressed on top of not having food and not having full access to the forage is also something that even increases stress on its own on top of having the stomach being empty so all of these traditional feeding and care practices are what contribute to how high the levels of ulcers in racehorses and other performance horses are like in racehorses there's like a 95 percent occurrence of ulcers if they're not preventatively treated and in sport horses and other performance horses it's around 75 percent and this is because of how they're more likely to be stabled for extended periods of time while they're competing they're more likely to be isolated while they're competing and they're more likely to have high levels of grain while competing which increases risk of ulcers large grain meals is a higher risk of both ulcers and colic and other digestive issues because a horse's diet should be predominantly forage based so these are all things we've come to accept and a lot of people never question it's even to the point where you could put a study that has been conclusively proven has a huge sample size send people multiple studies from really accredited university sources and experts in the field and they'll still deny it and be like oh you've never owned a horse that has competed at this caliber 
My horse, Francois, loves his stall and loves eating 16 pounds of grain a day, even though it's fried his stomach lining. Francois loves it. You don't know anything because you haven't competed up to pre-St. George dressage or a meter 60 jumpers. If you haven't gotten to that level, you can't talk, sweetie. And then they'll ignore like the scientific professionals in the field, which is very odd. And people will also cite like what upper level riders are doing to justify their own practices, which is weird because someone could be a very good rider and produce good results without being ethical. You can ride well without taking care of your horse as well and without providing them with what they need. They could all be ignoring equine behavior and equine stress signals while riding around and producing good results without the horses necessarily being happy. And you see this a lot. If you walk through show barns, it's not at all uncommon to see horses pinning their ears at you from their stalls, snaking their heads, biting at the bars, running their teeth along the bars, weaving, cribbing, chewing the walls, rearing up over the stalls to pin their ears up at other horses kicking, being girthy and cinchy, biting at the cross ties, being cranky about being groomed or petted. All of these things are pretty normal to the point where at most barns you'll see at least one horse with these problems. And people will just write it off as the the horse being quirky, the horse being a mare, the horse being this, the horse being that. There's all sorts of weird excuses people will use to normalize it. And it's just become such a way that people just write it off as like oh like that's just the way they are they don't consider what maybe causes the behaviors and they'll also just kind of believe whatever their trainers say despite lack of scientific backing and the horse world really needs to become more like science-based and like evidence-based rather than results-based because yes you can win a pretty blue ribbon with your trainer but it doesn't mean that your horse is happy doing it or that your horse actually enjoys their job there's a lot of stress behaviors that people write off as enjoyment like things like rushing fences severely like running through the bit being really heavy and nervous jumpy like people will write this off as the horse enjoying their job because yes they approach the fences quickly but a lot of this can come from stress not always but it can so basically It's time that people start researching more and not taking everything that trainers say at face value unless they have a means of like actually providing evidence for their claims. Like your trainer telling you your horse doesn't like turnout is a load of shit. What really happened is your trainer probably taught your horse to fear open spaces because of the lack of availability to that, lack of group turnout, and so on and so forth. Your trainer saying your horse is just being a mare when they're acting up and kicking out when you girth them or trying to bite you when you go to get them in the stall is just trying to cover up the fact that your horse is probably ulcery bored and frustrated and acting out in accordance with that people will do anything to make excuses for behaviors that stem from stress and students often believe this because they do respect their trainers a lot and if you've grown up in a setting where all of these things are normalized you have no real reason to question it and then when people do question it on your behalf you're more likely to become defensive because you trust your trainer and you respect them and you've never heard it before so why would it be true and then those same people are also less likely to read into studies because realistically they don't want to know the truth because the truth is hurtful and the truth forces them to question hard things and that's where these problems just continue occurring and then they never change and I was the exact same way I would get defensive when people would point it out I believed my trainer to a fault and I didn't really question very much and I also didn't read studies and I'd write studies off as being not credible just because of what my trainer said without even reading them because honestly like I didn't want to know the truth I didn't want to come to terms with the fact that I had deprived my horse and caused a lot of his stress behaviors because that was too hard to come to terms with at the time and a lot of people do this it's a defensive mechanism and this isn't to say that people who deprive their horses of turnout don't love their horses or people who have stressed horses who are showing unhappy behaviors don't love them because most people do love their horses but unfortunately the way the horse world is has often put the love people feel for the sport above the well-being of the horse and then instead of addressing that they just make excuses and try to claim their horse loves it and make excuses for that and it's really quite sad Some people do genuinely love the sport more than the horse, and I would say this comes into play when people 
make excuses like I can't risk my horse getting injured because of his value and because of the level of competition he shows at. You can't really claim you love your horse if your reason for depriving them of a basic need is all about yourself. And that's where those people definitely enjoy the sport more than the actual horse because generally those are the same people who view horses as more disposable and aren't all that bothered about whether or not their horse is happy and it's really sad because even just at face value if someone can justify risking injury to jump a meter 20 with their horse but not to turn it out in a field and do low grade walking around and grazing occasionally running around it's pretty clear that they care more about their use of the horse than the horse's actual happiness whether they admit it or not and it's hard to watch. So yeah, like as you can probably tell, turnout is one of the things I'm more passionate about when it comes to horse care. And like I said before, it is a mistake that I've made in not providing my horses with enough of it in prior years. And even now I do, like I'm working really hard so I can eventually either afford to rent or buy the type of property that I feel that my horses deserve. My horses live outside full time with a shelter and this is probably the most natural way they can live. Obviously, shelter is one of the basic requirements for care for like any animal. So if they're going to be living outside, they need either a shelter that is built for them or enough shelter from trees. So that's like another basic need in turnout. And a lot of people think that like, like I've had people tell me 